Welcome to the Sailing Into Oblivion podcast. I'm your host, Jerome Rand, and this is where we sit down with everyday people who do extraordinary things. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show this lovely Sunday evening. Uh, I don't know if that's the day that you might be listening, but anyway, that's the day I'm recording this. I get to sit down with now, officially, friend of the show, Russ, aboard uh, his sailing yacht nutmeg and uh it's a cape dory 36 he's been out in penobscot with his lovely wife for the summer and uh now it's been hauled out and basically winterized and ready to go and so russ just sits down with me we talk about how the summer went and uh, a few of the ups few of the downs and a few of the adventures and and so on so without further ado uh, we've got Russ here, and uh, before I start the show, as usual, to say, if you want to support the show, you can head over to Patreon, just follow the link in the description, and uh, become one of my illustrious crew members, which is fantastic. Thank you all for your continued support, as usual. And if you just want to reach out to the show with questions or comments, you can head over to sailingintooblivion.com and uh, email me directly from there. So here we go with Russ. Nice. Russ, welcome back to the show. Well, thank you. Post, post-summer post season on yeah. the Penobscot. <laughs> yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. How how did things uh, end up going? Great. Well, yeah. you know, we had a couple of uh, issues, but uh, other than that, things were fine. And it was, I, I'm trying to remember when we launched you. It was pretty early. It was in June. June early June, yeah. right? Yeah, it was called the first when we were launched, it was bitter cold. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was a little, <laughs> little chip before the heat wave really yeah. took over. But after that, then it was nice. Oh, very and cool. Stuff. Well, we did catch a lobster pot on our prop. That was the big excitement, right? And spun it off. Well, the bigger excitement was the hospitalization. Oh, yeah. Well, well, yeah, maybe we'll get into that. Who knows? We'll see. That was, yeah, that was a bit of a nerve-wracking time yeah. for all of us, Russ, because you're part of the family right yeah. but it was uh it, it wasn't bad you know they actually I, I give kudos to penn bay they did a great job and oh they were the ones that fixed the got you the diver and all that sort of stuff no penn bay was the throat oh the throat oh, okay, yeah, okay the hospital down there was good well let's start i guess from from uh maybe the beginning i guess so we launch you and yeah. you guys are uh sort of hanging loose what what sort of stuff are you doing just to i guess prepare the boat is it mostly just cleaning and organizing and oh uh, yeah it's just seeing where you know make sure everything goes we do a test sail to make sure we got all the lines in the right holes and <laughs> <laughs> yeah right not crossed or anything well, like it doesn't that. look right <laughs> you know it's like you got to run up that sail and it and it's like oh wait a minute there's two sheets are crossed or something you and know, are but... those mouse holes in there <laughs> <laughs> that's right but uh yeah no that and it's just sort of getting used to being on the boat again well, and this was how how many seasons is this now for you up here? Uh, six. Six. I believe. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So you have pretty much your your known sort of haunts that you like to go and find, and yeah. Well, you know, we try to go to um, old places, and we try to go to new places every year. Did you find any uh, new sort of spectacular spots? Well, I don't know about spectacular, but we did find some new spots. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we went to, we hadn't ever been to Castine. We hadn't ever been to Belfast. 
Oh, okay. So we made a point of going to those places um, just because we said, no. We well, you got to explore a little bit. Yeah, right. And just try them and see, even if, you know, well, casting wasn't that great. But, uh, oh, just sort of bland or? Well, no, you know, we took a mooring there, you know, and the, the current in there is like really amazing. Oh, it's ripping. Yeah. I mean, the mooring ball, and we're talking about a monster mooring ball, went underwater. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. And it's, I forget, was it, it's a 38-foot Cape Dory? 36. 36. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah. And then we went, we spent Belfast. We have friends in Belfast, so. Uh, oh, that's always fun. Yeah. So we went there and saw them, and, and then we sort of meandered back. And we tended to go out for a week or two weeks and then come back. Yeah, because this Rockland's always been your, your sort of home base. Yeah. That's where I, you keep the car here and all that sort of stuff. Right. And you it's know, tough because we get into Rockland sometimes, and we find it hard to leave Rockland. <laughs> yeah, well, it's because it's, you know, it's really convenient. The home base definitely has that sort of feel sometimes, especially yeah. as a boater. And and with the, the added thing of having your car here, I think that's it's always sort of like, uh, I don't want to, you know. Well, it's, can't you know, it's more like the there's, uh, there's like, oh, there's we met somebody oh, and there's they want to do something one more day. Okay, we'll stay one more day. Right, and right. And then the next thing you know, it's like, oh, well, if we're going to stay that one day, maybe we should just stay that next day so we can do the thing the third day. Yeah, yeah. You know, and next thing you know, you've been here a week. You're just like, you know, ah. and it's like, man, we just got to get out of here. Yeah, you're you're looking at the clock. Hey, you know, it's actually almost August here, and we <laughs> right. haven't done anything yet. So then we went, uh, we went out. We actually we went straight out to uh, Acadia. Oh, which turned that's out to be right. the okay. best thing we could have done. Because how far how far north is that, or east is it to get there from here? I have no idea. It's like uh, it's two days. Two days. Two days yeah. sail to get there. Yeah. Uh, you could probably do it in a day. I don't know, but be a long day. Yeah. It's like 50 or 60 miles. Oh, okay. Okay. Gotcha. Um, and normally you know, we go in August, you know, you have to, uh, you go into Northeast Harbor, you have to fight for moorings. Mm-hmm. And it's in this time we walked right in, there was no problem with the mooring, tons of moorings available. And it, it's all, can you, when, when you get up there, do you check in? I, I guess I, cause I've never been there, so I don't yeah. know exactly like as a newbie, cause I, I, I do intend one day to be able to sort of cruise this whole main coast for a summer instead of working, <laughs> carrying heavy equipment around and stuff. <laughs> right. But, um, yeah, I mean, you just go up there. What is it like a dock you check in with or does somebody no, come out? No, you, um, Northeast Harbor is all moorings. I mean, they do have slips, but I, I've never been interested in a slip. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're, they, you can't, reserve them so it's first come first serve nice i like that and uh well except for the fact that there's very limited number and it's very busy well yeah so i wouldn't go during the peak season anyway i think i would try well that's what we found was fourth of july they had only opened the week before oh really okay uh, and it's what's nice about like northeast harbor is um the bus goes right there so you get a bus uh um, from there and take it into the park. Oh, and yeah. And go okay. anywhere. Right. So we went, we took this, we met this guy and he said, oh yeah, the bus driver actually, we were asking him for things. And he says, oh, the bubbles. He says, you go there and you go to Jordan Pond, you walk along the thing, he says, and then you scramble up these rocks and you'll be at the top of the bubbles and it's great. 
Well, as it turns out, this is like the second most dangerous tourist attraction in the world. <laughs> nice. <laughs> We're Love it. scrambling up these rocks. And actually, I know I'm looking over the side of this cliff and it's like two, 300 feet down. And it, the rock is just like sloping gently yeah. that way. I'm just going to go to the edge, get a good <laughs> shot. And I, I'm thinking as I'm climbing up, I says, I can go up this, but there's no way I'm going down this one. Right. And stuff. But sure enough, I get to the top and, and there's an easier way down. But, um, oh, that's funny. But that was fun. It's a beautiful place. Yeah. yeah and yeah. the whole Acadia. And, you know, then you can, we took the bus, we went to Bar Harbor one day mm. and went and then walked along the coast to the, all the different, um, Thunder, Thunder Hole and oh, all the main attractions. Yeah, the main attractions. They're right there, and then you take the bus back to your boat, and, and it's all free. And are the are the moorings sort of spread out throughout sort of the whole? Because the, there's a lot of coastline that that makes up that park. Isn't no, it? no, it's all right there. Northeast Harbor. There's Southwest Harbor, which is where Hinkley is. Oh, okay, yeah. Stuff. Hinkley has like 70 transient moorings, so. Typically, you can get a you need some of. What are they costing up there? Forty bucks. Forty bucks a night. Yeah. Uh, I guess that's pretty. It's pretty standard. Pretty nowadays. standard at this point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that was nice. Um, in that, you know, we went there before it got busy. Yeah. I mean, the park was busy, but not super busy. But the the marinas weren't. They were just getting going. Well, I yeah, I would think August must be the absolute pinnacle. Oh yeah. You know. The second, third week in August is when everybody goes on vacation. Right, so. right, exactly. And it's it's going to be night. Well, this year it was ninety degrees. I'm yeah, sure up there, right. which is kind of nice, you know, when you're when you're on this picturesque Maine sort of coastline, and the water's only fifty eight degrees. Yeah, if it's ninety your out, you're like, let's go swimming. Yeah, well, you're sitting on your boat, you know, the gentle breeze blowing over the water. It's just not that, you know. I talked to my brother, and he goes, "It's a hundred and four here." Oh, well, I have a sweater on. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that was, yeah, I can remember talking to Elaine and saying, you know, on some of those really hot days, uh, I think this was when you were in the hospital and, and she was out there and it was amazing because when you just went out to the mooring, the temperature yeah. drop oh, was yeah. awesome. I mean, yeah. I, I think I took her out in the launch one day and. I couldn't believe the temperature difference oh, just yeah. just from the wind sweeping over that little bit yeah, of water. But just sitting, you know, you uh, you're sitting out on the boat and and it's just like, oh, this is pretty comfortable. You know, you, you got a long sleeve shirt on and stuff. And, yeah. And you come into shore and it's like, oh my god, it's hot and, and there's <laughs> dust blowing around. <laughs> right. We even had what I I akin to tumbleweeds. Oh, yeah. uh, we were doing so much weed whacking this year. Some of the little bushes were sort of blowing oh, over the yeah, last few right. days. <laughs> It's like, what is this place? <laughs> but hey, it's been an unusual summer. Yeah. That's for sure. Ah, well, that's that's cool. That's good to know that that's sort of a neat spot. And you definitely want to get there before the yeah, crowds. Before the crowds. And then we uh we came back from there. We went to Frenchboro, which is always kind of a nice Where is that? Uh south of Swan's Island. Um, it's on the way back hmm. from there. Uh, Not only will the listeners need a atlas, but uh, <laughs> or a chart. I guess I should probably have one um, right here too. I forget what the name of the island is now. Uh, but anyway, uh, Frenchboro. Um, there's some really nice hiking there. It's part of the Apple, uh, Acadia Park. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, and stuff. Um, there's normally a restaurant there, of Lund's Lobster House, but they weren't open this year, so. Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah. But is that the only restaurant there? Oh yeah. 
Oh, really? That's the so only it's thing like in town. <laughs> empty spot, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then we went from there. Uh, that's when we went up through Casco Passage. We caught a lobster pot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, now, uh, they, you don't have what sort of prop setup do you have? for preventing that because i mean when you're cruising in maine for a long time usually people try and i don't know prepare for it i know i i don't have anything i don't have one of those little cutters obviously don't have a cage or anything like that i i usually don't worry about the actual prop on this boat because of the shape of the keel it's more mongo and the the wind well that's exactly what i thought too i have a full keel with a protected rudder Mm -hmm. encased behind in front of the the rudder yeah. And stuff. So I was like, yeah, you can't catch them on these. Well, so you just plow the, right over them. Well, in the normally, past. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but uh, it's actually a big prop. So I think the prop uh, tended to suck one of them in. Oh, okay. And, you know, we, we went over it. We heard the clunk, clunk, clunk. And then the, the trap, the buoy popped up. Yeah. So I said, no, we're good. And we kept on motoring. And then finally we decided to go sailing. And, I got through Casco Passage. We we're going to go sailing, and the minute we started sailing, all of a sudden I hear this clank, clank, clank. Well, the the uh, prop had fallen off, and the rudder was the only <laughs> thing holding it on. <laughs> That's so crazy. Because thinking, like thinking about that that rudder up against you know this this prop that's sort of dangling on the end right. of your prop shaft. <laughs> You were really lucky not to have to lose that, well, that right. prop, right? And then we managed to sail up to Wooden Boat, where we sailed on to a mooring. Nice. And, Seamanship. Yeah. I like that. And then um, from there, you know, we I dove on it and saw what was going on. There was still line wrapped around it and everything. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, I had a, a spare key. Oh, for the prop shaft? For the prop shaft. Yeah. So put that on, and I tied the prop on. Um. With, you know, with just line. Oh, what? You like dove down on it? Uh-huh. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was cold. <laughs> oh, I'm sure it was cold. <laughs> <laughs> but then we couldn't find uh, the shaft nuts. The shaft nuts had it just spun, spun right off. off. But you said the cotter pin was the still in pin there, right? was still there. Yeah, yeah. It just wheeled right over yeah, it. Yeah. That, <laughs> that sort of was disconcerting when I uh, saw that. I was like, hmm. <laughs> Well, and that, you know, obviously that's, it's something you don't think of. Cause I mean, normally on, on all sailboats, you've got, you've got two big nuts that right. lock that sucker in. I mean, when I took my prop off after I took the nuts off, I mean, I still had to pound on the prop to right. get it off. Right. But at the same time, you know, if, if you're putting that torque, uh, especially from forward to reverse and then wrapping something around it. Yeah, I mean, it can break that sort of well, stuff free. The other thing is, when I last time I took my prop off, I put anises. Oh, uh, Ross, <laughs> I know, thinking that I'm going to save myself <laughs> some trouble the next time I yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, right. But anyway, is it you know? The, so anyway, the props banging around out there, and we can't find shaft nuts. Wooden boat didn't have any. Brooklyn boatyard didn't have any. Oh right, you know, I thought, how can you know? I got five of them sitting at home. Yeah, 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 you know, and. Uh, so we ended up having to order them from Hamilton's. And, yeah, get them brought. And out. they were gonna, we were gonna be hauled out. They were gonna tow us over to Brooklyn Boat Yard and haul us out. But the guy said, "Wait a minute." He says, "I'll just get you a diver." Yeah. And he arranged the whole diver, and the diver came, and 15 minutes later, he says, "You're good to go." See, that's and that's that that says something about I think the the businesses up here. You know, they could have definitely taken oh, advantage yeah. of that situation. Well, I think for them it was. Holland, 
hauling me over there and hauling me out was going to be a big pain in the butt for them. Oh, yeah, I don't yeah, doubt it. Yeah. But he was also going to be a paycheck. Well, really. yeah, right. You know, because a haul out's typically what, 500, right? Yeah, Something short haul out. Yeah, short haul. But, um, but, you know, but anyway, you know, so he got me the diver for 80 bucks. Nice. <laughs> stuff. And that was nice. He was a nice guy. He put it off. We went. You, know. you put a bigger cotter pin in there? Nope. We can't. The oh, same you, size had, you had it maxed out. Yeah, the hole oh, was the same okay. size. And so. I'd still spun over that. Yeah, I know. It's pretty amazing. To, it was pretty amazing to see the cotterpins still there. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, about the only thing I can think of is maybe the nuts had disintegrated somehow. Oh, right, right. You yeah, know? if they were and really old it, and the threads weren't, weren't really old. Really they were tight. pretty new. Yeah, but I mean, you're talking about metals in yeah, salt water. Right. You never and know. Something maybe, goes weird. Maybe they just sort of broke when they hit it or something. Well, and what did you think about when Dave was talking about, um, you know, because typically it's it's one nut that's large and one nut that's sort of skinny. Yeah. And that's pretty standard. I mean, it seems like it's what I see on all the props. Well, that's what I had on I mine. Don't, I don't have enough room for two big nuts. <laughs> right, right. Well, but he had said, didn't he say that the big nut big goes nut on goes first yeah. and he, it was reversed? Right, but I've taken them off and put it back the right way. Oh, okay, gotcha. <laughs> was do you think it was that way before this all happened? Yeah. So it was big nut. Yeah, so that's to, the way oh, okay. I would have done it if I, because I put it on the last time. Oh right. Yeah. Oh, you put it on. I put it on. Well, I think we've well, just and when he solved it, our query. <laughs> no. <laughs> when, when he put it on, of course, the shaft sink was right there. Yeah. So he couldn't tighten it all the way. He tightened mm. it as far as he could, mm-hmm. but uh, but it still had a, a wobble to the prop. Oh, really? And uh, it was interesting because, you know, we were worried about, well, did I bend the shaft? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And stuff. Of course, it's only an 18-inch shaft. Um, still, though, it's a pain if you've got to replace <laughs> so, that. So, you know, first thing we did, we took off and powered it up and... Hey, the thing runs smoother than it ever has. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, so if we cool. did bend it, we straightened it. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, you know, I, I was off. I was taught a trick. If you wanted to find out if, if you know, your your prop shaft was out of alignment when you're out of the water, you just take like a little stick or whatever pencil, and you can hold it right up next to one of the bottoms of the blades, and you can just turn the blade. Oh. And you'll be able to see just how close it is because it should be, you know, you keep they it like should, a millimeter away. They should all be it. the same. Yeah. They should all be the same. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. I'm, I have to try that. Yeah. I, you know, it's one of those things though, where if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right. You know, I know. If, it's, <laughs> if it's off a half a millimeter, you might not want to just yeah, right. tear everything apart. So, yeah, I had that. That was all torn apart on my boat before. I had to replace the cutlass bearing and. Yeah. Yeah. We talked about that. that. Yeah. I'm going to, I, I think I'm going to leave. Under your advisement, so if it goes totally pear-shaped, I'm calling you up. <laughs> Good I'm luck gonna, with that. I'm going to leave uh, the cutlass bearing alone. Uh, everything does feel pretty much okay. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think I'm just going to rebed the two bolts that I undid and put the prop back on. Hopefully, though, I did meet this gentleman who we got to talking. He was just up here taking the ferry. And he was telling me that he used to have a sailboat and he had this low RPM alternator and he's never used it. It's for essentially you, you would, you would put a little belt strap on the prop shaft. So you let it freewheel. Oh. And even at low RPMs, the alternator will kick in and, oh, and start really? cranking it out. Cause I, 
I hate the fact that this boat freewheels. I mean, I go as far as to to crawl over the hot engine after I shut it off and put a pipe wrench on it <laughs> because with the old, uh, and I don't know if it's, it's a velvet drive transmission as far as I understand, but. So the reverse doesn't. Do reverse it. doesn't, doesn't stop the engine uh, or stop the, the freewheeling. Oh. So it's just going to spin. And, and I don't know if it's just that the transmission's, you know, next to dead or hmm. if that's just the way it's designed, but. Uh, you know, outside of of making some sort of hydraulic clamp, right? The pipe wrench was the easiest solution, but it's a real pain. I don't want to do it. I hate doing yeah. it. Yeah. And then if I want to fire the engine up real fast, I have to go in there and pull it off right. and all that yeah, sort of right. stuff. And you have to remember to do that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I forgot one time, and <laughs> all should, I heard that would have been fun. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I turned it on, and it's not like you know I started the boat in gear or anything, right. but sort of the vibration or whatever of everything. Yeah. And yeah, all I heard was clunk, 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 and the engine <laughs> died. And I was like, oh, the pipe wrench. <laughs> right. Um, but I forgot where I was going with that. Yeah. I remember. <laughs> yeah, you know, off into the weeds. Yeah, that's right. It's all good. Uh, but yeah, I guess so. Um, I don't know. It'd be kind of interesting because if I do get that to to fit some sort of, um, I don't know, a little, little belt disc or something yeah, that yeah. the belt can go from the alternator yeah, and just be at least making electricity while you're Yeah, I mean, yeah. could you imagine? That'd be pretty cool. Because then, you know, I used to always think when I, I – there was one season down in the Caribbean where I had a uh, little windmill generator. Yeah. And people had always told me the noise will just drive you crazy yeah. and all sort of stuff. And, yeah, there were definitely times where I shut it off at night when I was trying to sleep. But the when it would be, like, wheeling away – I'd be all I'd be looking at is my voltmeter. Right. Going, oh, I'm getting a lot of juice. Better yeah, turn yeah. up the uh, refrigerator. Yeah, right. We're making ice tonight. Yeah. Well, that's you know the trouble is like up here in Maine, wind dies at night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so it's like especially when you want it going, mm -hmm. it's it's not going. So they're not worth anything up here. Yeah, it's it's. But in the Caribbean, rare. oh, know, down there it's twenty four seven. Right. So I would be just. It, I I can remember a few times, and I I bought the cheapest one, which yeah, right. I just didn't have the money to to get anything nice. But I can remember it's, you know, typically these things will try to have sort of a cutoff so they don't blow up your batteries. Oh yeah. But right. there were plenty of times where I woke up and you know, and it's humming away, it's gusting. Maybe there's a squall coming, and I look over at the little meter, and it's saying like sixteen point two volts. I'm like, <laughs> Whoa! We're gonna shut that thing off. Right. <laughs> Like, oh man, I must have gassed off a huge amount of the battery acid <laughs> yeah, right. at this point. So I don't know, ups and downs of that sort of stuff. But <laughs> but I don't know, those those kind of adventures, that's cool that you were able to um, you know, it, it didn't end up really badly, you know, you on the rocks or oh, anything yeah. like that. No. no, you know, that's why we have a sailboat, you know. Nice. Because that's what you can do. That's <laughs> what you can do and not panic. I mean, because right. that that is sort of a situation that's because Exactly. When did you realize? Was it just as soon as you shut the engine down? No, and could actually, hear the noise. No, uh, we we heard, you know we were sailing along us. We didn't know what it was. Oh, did you think it was like a lobster pot? Like yeah. A well, we there? had no idea, and I, we kept turning the tiller to uh, to see if we could knock it off. <laughs> <laughs> and stuff. Luckily, you did. Right. <laughs> and. So, so you're, you're hearing the noise and then what was sort of the idea at that point? Well, the idea was, well, I guess I can't start the motor now. 
Smart. Okay. And so uh, we just decided, of course, we had to beat into the wind yeah. to get up to. Uh, so we uh, set some sail. I set the stay sail and the main sail because mm-hmm. so it's self-tending. So we can tack. So we were doing a lot of short tacks going up Eggmog and Reach. Yeah. And then until we got up to the wooden boat and then uh, sailed around in there for a second till we could get to a mooring and uh, sailed up to the mooring, got it. And... First try? No. <laughs> oh, that's all right. It doesn't matter. Hey, as long as you catch it in the end, that's what well, counts. Well, <laughs> my wife got scared a couple of times and she thought it was, we were just pulling it up under motor. And oh, right, so right. like, you know, I was like, as we got within like 10 feet of it and then the sails caught again and blew off. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, well, you know, you got to keep going. And she's, she was like, oh. <laughs> well, remember, she probably will listen to this. So maybe yeah, yeah, uh, let's <laughs> retell that story. We were up there and she was fighting through. And <laughs> No, no. She's actually been very good. She's great under motor. Yeah. And that's what that's her job under motor. She's much better at it than I am. So. Well, but sail, you know, that, that again, under sort of the, the concept of seamanship and stuff, that's, yeah. Well, you she... guys were able to, to get it done without, you know, slamming into other boats. I mean, that was one of the interesting things I sort of felt, and I'm not trying to judge any of the sailors down South and in the intercoastal and all that sort of stuff, <laughs> but it seemed like pulling the trigger on calling tow us or tow oh, boat or yeah. whatever was like a hair hair trigger like right. it was just like something went wrong pick up that cell phone and call and and i think to some degree that's a smart decision because you know if if for whatever reason you can fix it you can you can call them back and say we don't need you right um you probably still get a bill in the mail i would assume <laughs> right. but um no i don't know up here i i guess i don't really feel i don't feel like you can just call anybody at any moment you, you well, definitely have to fend for yourself easy, yeah because they're not that close yeah right? exactly for one but but you know that's why i like working on my own boat is something goes wrong you know i know how to fix it now, yeah yeah you know well and yeah getting to know your boat and feeling that confidence that comes with yeah. tearing apart systems and then putting them back together right. and all that sort of stuff do do they have had had things gone really pear-shaped like let's say the the prop wedged itself in and now you lost steerage as well. What would you do in that situation? Well, it depends, I guess, on where the rudder was locked. Um, but you can steer. Hard to starboard. <laughs> Hard to starboard. Well, then we would have been sailing in circles probably. But... <laughs> right. And and then what would you have done? I well, mean... we can we can steer it um, with the sails. I've done that before. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's trickier. Uh, give that a go. Yeah, give that a Let's go. Let's say that's, you know, and not there's, working. There's always the anchor. Oh, okay. You know? Nice. So, We're going through the steps. See, I'm just I'm just peeling back the layers of your wisdom here. <laughs> and, and it's beautiful because it is. Those are those are the basically the steps. Yeah. I mean, if you can't work it with plan A, you go to plan B. Right. And then plan C, yeah, the anchor. I mean, you drop sail and you throw the anchor down. At least you're not drifting onto the rocks. Right. Or you hopefully, hopefully you can actually have enough line to anchor wherever you are. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> Penobscot has it's it's decently deep. Well, it can be, yeah. yeah. But then you know, if you get into some, get in the side, get some mud, and then at least you got a chance to assess. Yeah, yeah. You know, get in there saying, well, what's going on? If I have to dive in to see what's going on, 
and stuff, you know, you can do that. And then worst case scenario, you know, you're you're bumping off of rocks and you think maybe there's there's water coming in. Who do you call? <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the nearest village. Yeah, that's right. The nearest marina or anything like that. Because, I, yeah, I mean, when when is the point where you call the Coast Guard, I guess? Well, yeah, you know, I heard several Coast Guard calls this summer. Uh, the one, I, the one, the famous one was the 47 foot saber. Up oh here. yeah. Yeah. Like the guy poked a hole right through the bottom. And that was pretty interesting. Listen to him talk about how it's going to go down now. And we're in the life. We're in the dinghy. Yeah. We're in the dinghy. <laughs> I was like, we're in the dinghy. <laughs> we cannot see the boat anymore. <laughs> so, but fortunately they made it, but, uh, well, you know, accidents are bound to happen well, yeah. no matter what. But I I always want to instill a bit of, uh, I don't know, confidence in people. Because I know there's a lot of people that want to do some of these things right. that, that, you know, you and I sort of take for granted as everyday cruising sort of stuff. Yeah. But taking that first step to get there can be a little bit intimidating, rightfully so. Yeah, and right. it has to be approached, I think, with caution for sure. Uh, but I do believe that, you know, people can and usually do rise to the occasion when these little snafus oh, yeah. happen. Well, you know, there's not that many people dying out there. So <laughs> that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, so, I the, right. so they get through it, you know, however they happen to do it. Right, know? right. You know, even if it's like flagging down the next boat and stuff. Well, and that's definitely one of the nice parts. And I, I equate that with the BVI um, as far as, you know, these are cruising grounds where there's a lot of boaters. Yeah. And in some instances, yeah, you might want to have the whole place to yourself. But it's also kind of nice to have that safety in numbers thing. Right. Where, yeah, all of a sudden, like, you rip a hole in your boat and yeah. you are going down in a minute. Yeah. You can literally see two or three boats that are yeah, right. They're right there. And you, you just wave your hands and they come right in and yeah, get you. Yeah, right. So. Which is the nice thing, you know. Oh, but, absolutely. Holy cow. Yeah. It, it definitely adds a little. Sailors helping sailors. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Well, because, you know, it, it creates a bond, I think, between the, the two groups of sailors. And yeah. then, and it could be you next. It could. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You got to pay that stuff forward. Right. That's a good so. point. I didn't even think about that. Karma. Right. So. <laughs> you don't want to be like, I, I could just see the guy who's like down there and he's hearing the Mayday call and he's just, the volume, click, <laughs> VHF is off and off he goes and sails and. Right. Uh, directly make into it a o- hurricane. That's upwind. I can't make it over there. <laughs> <laughs> mm. That's like the, uh, I it was the 97, 98 Vendee Globe. And uh, Pete uh, Goss got the call. They're in the Southern Ocean, I believe, in the Pacific. And Raphael Donatelli, I'm probably murdering that name, had essentially uh, sunk his his Open 60. Mm. And this was, this was the Vendee where... Well before foiling boats, but oh, right. they built yeah. these boats so flat and so yeah, wide right. that they the Whitbread sixties were they? Uh, I think they. I you know I'm not sure exactly what classification it was, but essentially they were more stable upside down than they were right side <laughs> right, up, right. and so when they went over, they stayed over. And uh, I don't know how far Pete Goss was ahead of them. They were in pretty ugly Southern mm. Ocean conditions, and. 
he got the call to turn back and go and beat into the wind yeah. for the next, you know, 24 hours, 48 hours. And he did it. Yeah. And uh, he did it in a boat designed absolutely to go straight downwind right. instead of, <laughs> and, and the, the famous thing was that is that Pete was an Englishman and, and, uh, Raphael obviously was French and, when he got to the life raft, which is, it's just an amazing story, but he gets to the life raft and Raphael hands up a, a bottle of champagne, <laughs> gets this, this soaking wet, almost dead guy onto his boat and Pete sits him down as an Englishman and gives him a cup of tea. Cup of tea yeah. Right. right. <laughs> Such a great story. There's, um, I don't know if you've ever read, uh, God Forsaken Sea. No. It's all about that, that, uh. 97, 98 Volvo, huh. or not Volvo, but uh, Vendee Globe. Vendee Globe, and yeah, right. Huh. That was uh, a book that definitely changed my life for sure. Huh. It just piqued my interest in this whole like solo Southern. I didn't even yeah. know the Southern Ocean existed yeah, right. at that point. <laughs> but but anyway, um, yeah. So then we get into what was it? Was it? It was July when all of a sudden the medical emergency happened. Uh, yep. And we don't have to talk about it if you don't want to. No, it's fine. Yeah. Uh, I, we were out sailing and I was having trouble swallowing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was very painful and I ended up basically not eating for four days. Just trying to like stoically get I, past well, it? Well, no, I, I actually didn't have any desire. It, oh really? It was hurt. It was that? Well, because you swallow like every 20 seconds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And every 20 seconds, it was pretty painful. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I was popping ibuprofens like crazy, just trying to mm. figure it out. And finally, we were over in Final Haven somewhere. And I said, you know, Elaine, we got to get back. And uh, and actually, she did great. Um, coming back, we hit, we ran. Of course, we, we were fogged in. We were coming across the bay, and all of a sudden, it was, you know, pea soup fog. Yeah, right. Welcome and, to Maine. Welcome to Maine. <laughs> and so she, and I was worthless. You know, because was it was it affecting you other than just the ability to swallow, or was it? Well, I was actually by this point in time, I was feverish. Oh, really? And I was I was chilled. I was shaking. I was had all the blankets on the boat wrapped around me. Yeah. Uh, and Elaine had to, you know, she had to steer. I was basically watching the radar for her. Yeah. And she did everything all the way across. We actually sailed all the way across. Good on you. And uh, we got here, and I said, "Well, let's go to the." Um, you know, emergency care place. Mm. We got up there and he looked and he says, I can't see anything. They, of course, they did the COVID test and the strep test. And right, right. He said, you know, here, maybe it's swimmer's ear or something. And uh, so like, this is the worst case of swimmer's ear. I mean, well, you know, I was like, yeah, it could be, you know. Yeah, right. And sort of so, hoping for the best, right, I suppose, you know, right? Because that's what it sort of felt like. But uh, but he gives me some drops to put in and then next we go back that night. And of course I felt bad for Elaine because I'm sitting there. I couldn't sleep either. Yeah. Cause every 20 seconds I have to swallow. Oh, right. Uh, you know, yeah, and it's yeah. just like, oh, you know, and I'm moaning and groaning and stuff. And of course she, but she's got earplugs. <laughs> <laughs> so the next morning she's I smart, said, you know, yeah. she's a professor. <laughs> the next morning I said, we got to go to the emergency room. And so we go down to the emergency room and it was great. They took, I, we were there at 9.30. They were seeing me by 10. By 11, I was talking to the ear, nose, and throat guy. Mm-hmm. I'd had a CAT scan. Oh, wow. By that point. Well, because was there like any like lumps or anything or was it no, just- No, but he looked in my throat and he said, oh, that looks like a war zone in there. 
Oh, really? Yeah. That's yeah. not what you want to yeah. hear. Yeah. Well, and then so it turns out it was an infect. It was an abscess that got infected. Oh, okay. And it was behind the tonsil. Yeah. So they couldn't really see it. So the CAT scan showed that there was one there. And so the guy was like, "Okay," he says, "Well, the only way out of this," he says, "We gotta, uh, we gotta take the tonsil out and get in there and clean this up." And usually they say that to 13-year-old children. Right. Is that when you started crying? (laughs) Well, you know, it was just sort of like, you know, you mean surgery? And the guy goes, yeah. And I was like, oh, man. You know, so uh, what do you mean? I, You know, is that like a week out? You know, and and he's like, no, he saw about 2 o'clock. Oh, really? (laughs) Wow. Yeah, Yeah, well, because typically they... There's an issue. They'll they'll jump well, right on. Yeah, it, right? but I mean, you know, it wasn't. I wasn't like her life or death or anything. But although I hadn't eaten in four days. But, yeah. Right. <laughs> but I was uh, withering away. <laughs> I hadn't eaten or slept. Maybe that in helped. Four days. Maybe they looked at you and they were like, "This guy's eyes are sunk in the back of his well, head." Well, you know, it's like every twenty seconds, I'd be. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. I know so that I feeling. think they pretty much figured out that I was in pain. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, you know, two o'clock came. They. Uh, put me down i had surgery i spent a night in the hospital um so good to go bob's your uncle and it was good to go yeah wow and And so they they remove your tonsils and they remove the abscess yeah they drain the abscess oh they drain it oh okay okay and they pumped me so full antibiotics it wasn't funny oh i'm sure right yeah Yeah. Yeah. but you know that that there's two things about that that scare me one is that I've always wondered what it would be like to have something like that happen way offshore, yeah, middle right. of the ocean, right. let alone Southern Ocean. Yeah. Um, you know, when I went on that first trip, I didn't have any antibiotics or anything. Right. Um, it was just an oversight. And even on the subsequent trips, I really didn't take it. It's any hard to get antibiotics hard. unless you have a problem. In the United States, I called, yeah, I mean, I, I called some of the urgent care places and the clinics around here and explained my situation. And they basically said, you're out of luck. Yeah, they um, won't do it. Yeah, so I, I, I don't know, besides the trip up to Canada to go get some. Yeah. Because I'm pretty sure you can probably buy them in a store there. But <laughs> um, that's one thing that's always sort of worried me, but... Truth be told, I'm a bit of like a hypochondriac. <laughs> so anytime I get the slightest like pain or this or that happens, instantly my brain starts just flying in every worst case scenario. <laughs> Was that happening with you at all? No, not no. I'm definitely not that way. I, I in fact, the only drug I take is uh, I don't take anything actually. I took like a half dozen ibuprofens, which was more than I'd taken in the last two years. Combined. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and I just don't take anything like I, that. I desperately try not to, even if, uh, you know, Friday night, you know, Murph and I are hanging out and no, it's yeah. a little too crazy. If I have a headache in the morning, yeah, I will suffer through it rather than take it. You just got to feel your pain. That's my. Well, yeah. Because <laughs> it's your body telling you something. Right, exactly. And, uh, I don't know. I've I, Not that I'm doling out medical advice uh if anybody was taking my medical advice i'd question their uh sanity yeah (laughs) but yeah it is one of those things i've always felt like yeah you don't want to cover that up because yeah it's your body communicating to you right so um but yeah at the same time yeah and i don't know this potentially had the potential to get very bad yeah the infection was spreading fairly rapidly at this point uh so we caught it at a very good time. 
Yeah, um, we we were pretty worried here in the in the yard, and and Elaine was was really uh, she handled it pretty well. I mean, we I had talked to her and said, well, let let us know if if you want rides out to the boat and back yeah. or anything like that. They gave me the keys to the launch boat for a couple of days, and she <laughs> was like, nah. I think she was kind of like, I got the boat to myself. Yeah. Like, you know. Well, truth be told, she's, yeah. I had to row into the emergency room. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, hey, you know, uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to get in the middle of it because when she listens to this, yeah. I, I still want to make sure we're good friends. Yeah. <laughs> and that being said, now, if I were to retell the story of you guys coming back from the island through the fog, <laughs> I would maybe throw in a squall or two, maybe a container ship that crossed the bow that Elaine is honking the horn at and telling you, get out of the way. And, you know, wind blowing her hair back sort of stuff. Yeah, there that's, you go. That's how I envision it. And, you know, as long as she would row me in, that's <laughs> as long as she'll row you in. Yeah. No, she, she called ahead and, and just powered right into the slip. We hauled you up to that's deck right. level. You get off and then we put it right back down. <laughs> That's how I envision it. <laughs> oh man. Well, um, so what else? Um, you've packed up the boat. It's pretty much winterized at this point. Oh yeah, we We're still has, we went still did other. We went down to Casco Bay. Oh yeah, yeah. For uh, a week and stuff, we spent a week down with the Cape Dory Owners Association. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. So that's like a little bit of a rendezvous. Yeah. Sort of thing. How many boats were there? I think we had six or seven. Oh, nice. Uh, we it's met a, a guy um, down at um, Buston's Island, which mm. is outside of Freeport. Oh, okay. He had a cabin there, and he threw us a lobster dinner fest. and Lovely. And then turned around the next morning, invited us in for pan- blueberry pancakes. <laughs> I tell you, these Mainers, they're just salt uh, of the earth. There, I know. Aren't they? It's just amazing. And then, you know, we did the whole... Um, Casco Bay thing and stuff. And well, and when when you guys do these rendezvous, is there like sort of the I almost equate it to like a car show where everybody sort of cleans their boats so that everybody can go on each other's boats, check out the little well, intricacies that everybody's done. It um it hasn't really been that way in the past, but this year it was. Um, you know, we invite people onto our boat mm-hmm. and stuff. And w- w- sometimes we've had as many as ten or twelve boats, which then gets hard to have, you know, 25 people on your boat. Well, I, I just think, because I, I know I, from what I understand, and and obviously West Sailors are, we're on the, we're on the very far edge of that spectrum of a <laughs> little bit crazy, a little fanatical, <laughs> all that. But uh, from what I understand, when when a West Sail group gets together, I mean, it's literally like. You're trying to show your boat oh, yeah, off, yeah, yeah, right. and, and you're, it, you know, everybody's boats are open. You can just go in yeah. and start poking around. And well, that's and, kind of what I would like. And yeah, I, right. I, in fact, I run through. Uh, it's a standard thing. I run through the um, boat want ads, or boat listings online, just to run through the pictures. Oh, really? See, Looking oh, at other see, Cape Dories. Oh, uh, Cape Dories. Oh, anybody? So West Sales, I look at. Oh. Just see what are these people doing? You know, how do they do this? <laughs> how does mine? Uh chalk up i now it's in the yard it's always a little torn apart yeah no it's fine ah <laughs> oh, great thanks actually it's fine we looked at one it's fine we... all right this podcast was great thanks russ <laughs> we looked at one that was absolutely gorgeous the guy had 
uh, spent 20 years. He was a cabinet maker. Oh, wow. He did, everything was gorgeous yeah. in this boat. Uh, but then he died before he ever put it in the water. Ah. And so these people bought it. They sailed it for a year in, down in Boston, and then we were looking at it. Oh, that was the one you guys were looking at. It was one we were looking at. It, the trouble was it had a Volvo, a, a seven-horsepower Volvo. Seven? Yeah, a t- one long Volvo. Oh, wow. And I said, will that even move the boat? Said, oh, yeah, it pushes the boat great. I was like, mm, yeah, no. <laughs> no way, seven. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty incredible. A one-long Volvo. Yeah, right. In the, and I was just like, yeah, no, sorry. <laughs> uh, no, thank you. <laughs> well, that, the, the, the one that's over there, Jura. Yeah. Is gorgeous down below. Oh, really? Oh, it just, you know, the Sparrow is very, very different from any West Sale I've ever been on as far as, um, well, know, they were mostly owner finished. Well, yeah. And they're mostly completely covered in wood. So it's like right. a dungeon down below. Yeah. Which normally I sort of like. I mean, obviously, hence all the, the blacked out portholes and stuff. But um, there's something that after I looked at about four or five of them in in search for this boat, um, when I hopped on this one and it was like light yeah. and white and with the trim and stuff, I just thought to myself, holy cow, this is way different. Yeah. Way different. Yeah. So I, I definitely like this. But his his is like on a whole different level. I mean, with, with the ceiling alone, it's sort of the cross beams and then oh, the yeah. white that's up there has, you know, it's sort of like ribbed. And oh, it's really? just yeah. old classic. But all of his, for his engine room, you move the stairs and there's an actual door <laughs> and it's like soundproof. And he has, oh, I, it's, I could go on and on. Yeah. I was hoping to have Paul on here at some point, but I don't think he wanted to. Uh, maybe I'll still be able to convince him. Who yeah, knows? Because yeah. his boat is, I, it's it's the most beautiful representation of a West Dale I've ever yeah. seen. Yeah. <laughs> gorgeous down below. Absolutely gorgeous. So that's why mine is all teak. The inside everything. is everything is teak. But I don't find it that uh, dark. You know, because we keep, we don't have, we don't cover the portholes. Right, right. Or anything like that. We have a hatch right here in the middle. Oh, you've got the, is it one of those butterfly ones? No, or whatever God, they no. Call it? I would never do the that. The leaky, the leakiest <laughs> things in the world? No, things leak, no matter what Oh, my says. gosh, yeah. No, it's a regular Bomar hatch, you know. Right, right. And stuff. And but it's, I, you know, that's a nice little skylight. I mean, I, yeah. I, I really just came up with these, you know, being in the marina and, you know... <laughs> I'm not I'm not trying to brag or anything, but like people come to see this boat. Yeah, right. And uh so there'd be a lot of times I remember the first couple of years I was down south and I'd be, you know, down here doing my thing, you know, working on the computer, whatever, and all I'm seeing is legs going by and yeah. then eyeballs sort of peering in. Right. And <laughs> I used to just put uh I had boxer shorts because i tried to make curtains but they fall away too far and all that stuff but even when i'm out at sea if uh during the day i want to sleep yeah when i'm sailing i'll plug them all up and Uh, and it's nice and uh nice and dark down here yeah well we spend most of our time out in the cockpit anyway so oh see i spend most of my time down below really oh yeah, yeah 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 well see since we put our tiller in our cockpit is huge Yes, that is true. Because you used to have the whole the binnacle, the binnacle right smack and, in the middle. Yeah, of it takes yeah. up all the space, right? Yeah. So, yeah, but I, yeah, I always it's so funny. Like boats are boats are little houses; they're tiny oh, yeah. homes essentially. Yeah, um, but they're just like 
I don't know. There's something. There's something a little extra cool about them. <laughs> well, there's no straight lines. There's yeah. Well, that yeah. So they're <laughs> and it moves. And, it and moves. the boat and the boat flexes mm-hmm. and stuff. So so your normal cabinet maker stuff just plain doesn't oh, work. I'll here. tell you. How much noise does your make? If you get into sort of uh, uh, semi rough conditions where the boat's like going through the chop or whatever. How how much noise does the wood joinery make? On oh, yeah, boat? it's creaking like a bastard. My dad one time <laughs> described Mighty Sparrow. It sounded like a popcorn maker, he said. <laughs> now, this was in the early days. It's worked itself yeah, pretty much right. quiet, but... Oh, gosh. Well, as as we get in uh, to the 50-minute the range here... Okay. I did want to hit up a little bit about what you do to winterize your boat, because your boat's going to stay here... Throughout the cold main winter, <laughs> yes. the snow, the ice, the freezing temperatures, um, what what sort of stuff do you do you do to to make sure that you know in the springtime when you open it back up, it's not a well, horror show? The very <laughs> the very best thing I can tell you to do is make a list. I I <laughs> always say that, Russ. You know, take Great a, mind. make a checklist, and because that way you you won't forget anything. Because nothing is worse than getting home and saying. Oh, did I turn off the propane? Yeah, yeah, yeah right. <laughs> and it's a six-hour drive, and I'm like, yeah, I don't well, really want to drive over there just for that. At but... least you've got the phone number of this guy right here. Right. You can run over and yeah, but deal with but that, still, but... you know, you shouldn't have to do that. But um, so make well, a list. Know, we make a list, and then basically we winterize the motor. You know, uh, which change, is running antifreeze through it. Change the oil, run antifreeze through it. Uh, there's just a guy. In the yard this afternoon, he came up to me and he was asking, he says, I've heard, he says, this is my first year having to decommission a, a keel boat. Mm-hmm. He said, and, uh, and he says, and somebody told me that you should disconnect the coupling and grease it and leave it disconnected for the winter. Of like, the prop shaft to the, the transmission? Shaft. And I was like, what? <laughs> mm. I said, basically, you only want to do that if you have to. Right, right. <laughs> Yeah, because that's kind of a tedious little yeah, job it's there. A, yeah, it's a pain just to get in there and do it. And I wonder stuff. what would necessitate he, that. Well, I, the only thing I can think of is if he misunderstood oh, what the guy was saying. Right. Because uh, the hull shape isn't going to change drastically enough with the temperature change. No. That it's going to deform. Although the, the boats, do, they, they, they do are change. a different shape oh, yeah. on shore. Yeah. 100%. Uh, and stuff, but um, so winterize the engine, winterize the engine, yeah. Then basically, we take winterize the water tanks, winterize the water tanks, take all the water out, pour antifreeze in, run antifreeze up through the faucets, mm-hmm. um, put it in the toilet. The and I have a composting toilet, so I don't have to do that. Well, empty that then, at least. right? Empty that, clean it, crying up. out loud. <laughs> you imagine leaving that in there? <laughs> no, well, <laughs> I could tell you a story. But... <laughs> <laughs> oh, do tell, Russ. Do well, tell. Our boat has a hold integral holding tank. What does that mean? It's integral to the hull, it's oh, in the bill. Oh, you can't actually, I can't actually take it out, right? And uh, after owning the boat for a couple of years, I decided to open it to see what was in there. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> and yeah, no, that was not pleasant. I'll bet. <laughs> and I actually had to pump it out because there was about you know, six inches of old sewage. Yeah, yeah. And, oh, stuff. and I didn't really want it to freeze. Years it, and years old. Yeah, who knows oh, how yeah, old yeah. it was. But anyway, uh, then we um, basically take anything that's remotely edible off. 
Yeah, because you don't want critters. critters. Yeah, so critters come in, and then so if it's not in a glass jar, it's got to go. Yeah, if it's not sealed up somehow. But yeah. even then, you know, it's just like it's just easier to bring it all home. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you know, and then it's just like clean it up and put a cover on it, and you know, take off. I take off all the electronics that I can take off the boat that are like plug and play sort of right. Things. Basically, just don't leave anything behind for anybody to think is valuable yeah yeah you know so uh because you know i mean that does happen that people get on other people's boats and yeah i mean you know any any boatyard no matter how well protected is always going to be vulnerable to somebody popping in i mean luckily there are people that live here right essentially and uh so that that does help but i mean (laughs) wintertime it's not like they're making you know the rounds every hour well right but... go check russ's boat again <laughs> right. i saw some footprints right, right. well you know that's what if i saw footprints in the snow that's what i would say mm. what's going on here but Absolutely. but you know fortunately i haven't had any real problems with that but, yeah um you ever thought about getting one of those like ring doorbell things i uh, need an internet connection oh you do don't you yeah oh, okay you know, yes, I, I have thought about it. I, right, right. I keep begging for somebody to point because there's several webcams. Hotel 250 has a webcam on the top of it. Yeah. Uh, the Breakwater has a webcam. Uh, I'll get one for it. Nice. I just would wish somebody up here would put a webcam up so just so that I could see the boat. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and well, every once in a while, Celia takes a picture of the yard. Yeah. And I keep like blowing it up trying to see if I can see my boat. Oh, well, hey, that that is, and you, I, this is something I've, I've given away for free, but now all of a sudden I'm thinking, boy, this could be a service that I give uh, to people. When you take off, I, I could do a weekly, like a little Friday. 30 second walk around video there you, go. you know 1995 i got a paypal account that's fine <laughs> there you go the I only would... trouble is by the time i really need it you're not here. <laughs> yeah i know right well who knows let's see how uh see how things go yeah. with this boat i there there is a there's definitely a slight chance that i might be wintering over in maine ah, so really? who knows i yeah i don't know we'll have to sort of see but i'm not gonna stay on the boat i hope uh, um, if I was able to find a job like lobstering or doing something, then yeah, I probably would try to, mm-hmm. I know it's possible. I think what I would get is, uh, some sort of, I'd probably cover it. Yeah. And then I, I don't know. I think just by covering it, I could go get a few things of insulation and just roll those out on the deck. Yeah, you know, it's still get it's very cold. Very cold. Oh yeah, yeah. It's yeah. not that it's it's not that it's very cold outside. It's cold, but like blow. the bilge Everything. gets cold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that means your feet are cold. Oh yeah. And you know, it's well, I I would I'm sure I would probably disappear off to Michigan for a few of those months, maybe. Right. You know, December through. April, <laughs> you know, right. the winter. Well, you know, uh, it wouldn't be that hard to find uh, somebody, you know, willing to share an apartment or something like that. I would yeah. Think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see. I don't know. Or I, even, you know, here, who knows if they have. Go bunk up with Murph. We'll we'll bunk throw, up with Murph. Throw some bunk beds in there. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I only pay for my rent in brain cells. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, love you, Murph. Um, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I don't know. Who knows? Hopefully all will go well and I will be able to, uh, dart South in some direction. But, But, uh, but yeah, I I cover the boat. 
Yeah, and what what is the thinking behind that? Is it mostly just to keep the the sunlight and the wear and tear and the yeah, ice just and keep all that? the snow and ice off of it? You know, I I'm never really sure. Uh, I've always covered my boat, but I see plenty of people that don't. Yeah, and you know they're just as well off in the spring as I am. So. Yeah, well, I I've always thought of it as, uh, you know, my my biggest concern with Sparrow would be the the footwell, the scuppers getting plugged, fills with snow, melts, fills with snow, melts, turns into ice, and then actually a big brick of ice forms in there, and it can maybe do some damage. Well, you know, I've seen cockpits were one big solid chunk of ice. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and that's that that's a little <laughs> un, unnerving, but I have heard about, you know, emptying a bag of salt or just throwing a bag of rock salt in there. Yeah, you know. Uh the but, yard used to it, that was I remember the first first year I was up here early and that was one of the things I saw like three or four places where yeah, it was obvious that somebody had dumped their rock salt oh, really? bag, just throwing it right overboard, huh. you know, here in the yard. And I was like, No, what is that? <laughs> salt bag. But, oh, they just put the, yeah, trying to melt the ice off there. Yeah, right. <laughs> but I, I don't know. I, I think I think more of it, uh I think covering a boat up here really is just I don't know, protecting it from the just constant uv of seven months yeah of see the thing and... is there is no uv up here in the winter time well but you're still getting it i mean it's yeah still... but now if you look you look in the on the uv index on the paper like right now a sunny day right now we'll have a uv index of two. Oh, right right you right know? yeah so, it's not like michigan when it really gets cold and that sun is blazing no but it, well nuclear. even in michigan i assume that even in the winter time that you were facing the wrong way. Oh, right, because we're so far north. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I didn't think about that. And, well, we're facing the opposite way from the sun. Well, I've I've gotten some severe, severe sunburns. Oh, when yeah. I was younger up there. Well, uh, skiing, in the wintertime. You, yeah, you, yeah. Get, you get the reflection, too. You get the reflection. Yeah. But, but basically, there is not much in the way of UV. Like my cover, you know, will last years because mm-hmm. it just doesn't get it UV. Just doesn't get but it. I don't like leaving it. You know, you get into April or May, and then you start getting sun. Oh, and you, you know, you come up and I just take it off. Come up in April and get it off. Party with Murph, and then That's you're right. out. That's right, I do. Nice. That's <laughs> I did awesome. last April. It was 30 degrees when I was What a there. life you lead, guy. <laughs> I love it. Well, the ski area ends, and I said, okay, time to go to see the boat now. Are you working for them again this year? Yes, I will. Nice. Now, what what do you do out there? I work in the lift shack. Nice. That's Lifty. me. Good man. That's, that's my lift shack, right? Top or yeah. bottom? Well, this is the mid station. Oh, mid station, mid, middle guy. Middle guy. That's well. This is the second best view on the mountain. That's why I picked this spot. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's gunning after your position, but you're still above that other guy. <laughs> Although I've always found my my favorite, as I was a lifty at uh, up in Michigan for a bit, and then I was a lifty out in Montana for mm-hmm. a few few months one year and all the actions at the bottom oh yeah oh my gosh and you can be a showman oh, you yeah. got to get vocal yeah we used to operate my favorite lift ever was um they it was an old school one so it was slow but it was a four person and 
the people came in from both sides. Oh, really? Yeah, so be... if you were not controlling the situation, yeah. this was before electric gates or any yeah, of that. Yeah, I know. If you weren't controlling the situation, people people's brains were not oh, yeah. in their heads. And... Well, I'll tell you one thing about skiing. The last thing people do before they leave to go on a ski trip, take their brain out and put it in their beer. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no offense to our skiing listeners. We love you. <laughs> Very intelligent people. Uh, <laughs> no, but I, I do. I, I can remember it was probably the most boring job in the world. And uh, at the I, same time, it could be the most exciting yep. job. Uh, well, but... we have the thing where, I mean, I work only in the top shacks now mm. because I'm almost 70 years old. I don't need the, the wear and tear on my body. Yeah. You got a little kid come up and shovel the, the ramp for you. Yeah. Right. <laughs> do you? No. <laughs> now you get I that still when shovel you're more snow than yeah. most people. <laughs> Good exercise. But uh, now I forgot where I was going. Oh, sorry. <laughs> well, you're up there. You only work the top. Yeah. Well, but normally, like, I used to be the manager. So I used to pick where people went. Oh. And we would have people scheduled for the top. And then after a couple of weeks, they'd start to get what we call the shack whack. You know, they just start doing goofy stuff oh, up there. Right. You know? yeah, yeah. And it's just like, oh, you know, and then it's like you realize, okay, you know, this kid's doing something really goofy. Okay, it's time for him to hit the bottom now. Needs a, needs a little interaction <laughs> with right. the public. <laughs> yeah. Needs to, needs to go somewhere where somebody can <laughs> even talk to somebody. Oh, <laughs> uh, so. <laughs> shoot. Well, you know, it's so funny because when after I had done that job for a little while, uh, and then you go back and you go skiing oh, yeah. somewhere else and yeah. you're not working. You sort of look at the guys and, and, you know, I always, I always engage with every oh, lifty yeah. now, like yes. hardcore, oh, yeah. way more than anybody ever oh, yeah. should, because I've been there and it's, it's pretty funny. And yep. uh, I don't know. It is, it's, it's definitely interesting. And it, I'm always very, uh, aware when you go past and you get off the lift, I always give it a little sniff, like, <laughs> Oh, geez. <laughs> What's going on in that in that lift shack there? Somebody smoking a little some little devil's lettuce going on up there? My safety's at stake. <laughs> That's what I used to say. We're there to save you from yourself. Yeah, yeah there you go. <laughs> oh man. Well, Russ, uh, I wish you the best winter uh, in Vermont, and I will absolutely keep a eye on your boat okay and if you want that service again 1995 <laughs> uh, just a jerome rand paypal uh, <laughs> once a week you get a 30 second video and i'll email it directly to you uh, okay <laughs> <laughs> but uh i don't know um you've been on the podcast twice now yeah gonna become a veteran you man. are what we would classify as a friend of the show <laughs> okay and uh i don't know if i'll be up here uh I, there is part of me that wants to do another launch season because mm. that's just fun. I don't the, the haul out season for me is not uh, not yeah, the best. Yeah. It's a little different. Yeah, a little sadder. Yeah, I'd say stuff, you know but... the the dream have, has come to an end. You know, yeah. I, you can see in people's eyes they didn't they didn't do what they wanted to. You know, they didn't, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but um, yeah, who knows? Hopefully our our paths will cross again. But uh, it's been awesome having you on the show, and I think yeah. you've brought quite a bit of wisdom uh, <laughs> well, and some experience <laughs> and just a dash of humor. You're a great guy and I, I do appreciate it. Well, no problem. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. It's been fun.